Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the word. Good morning, family. So good to see all you guys this morning. Hey, whether um, today is your first day, welcome, or if you've been along for the journey for a while now, we're super excited that you're here today because today is very special. Today marks the church's 20th anniversary. (laughs) So exciting. That's right. So we are celebrating 20 years of all of God's faithfulness and all that he has done. Amen. So if I can maybe take a moment, just kind of set the stage, uh, you know, for what we're about to listen to. Uh, You know, several months ago, my parents came to see us. And one afternoon, I asked them if they'd be willing to share some stories about our family's history with our kids over dinner. I asked them to share stories about their childhood, where they grew up, how they grew up, stories about their parents and grandparents and so on. I I wanted my parents to talk about uh, the things that shape their lives and also uh, our, you know, extended family's life. And so the main reason I asked them to do this was because I wanted our kids to see that they are a part of something bigger, a story bigger than themselves, Uh, that they carry a heritage and a family legacy inside of them that in many ways makes them who they are. And so whether we know it or not, I I believe, uh, you know, being part of a church family is very similar to that. Right, like one hand, we know that we're all part of a, of a bigger story, and that story is that overarching story of redemption that God is trying to release to mankind. And then we also know that we have a great privilege that here for the last 20 years, God has been writing our story as a church. Amen? So in light of that, we want to uh, just invite you to slide to the table this morning as we share some moments really that have shaped who we are as a church family over the past 20 years. And to get us started in this, we're going to ask the founding pastors, Pastor Brian and Miss Leah, to come and to tell their part of the journey. If you can, welcome these guys. All right, so let's start with the scripture, Joshua chapter 4 and verse 5 through 6. It says, And Joshua said unto them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan, and these stones will be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Notice that the emphasis there is not on the individuals that crossed over, but that they followed the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God as their protector and their guide. Today, we want to honor God for the way that he has impacted and continues to impact this region as we actively invite Holy Spirit and the manifest presence of God to come. And so to me, the past is a connector to the future. I I found this in some writings that I had done back in 2016. And I was like, oh, that's good. I wrote that back then. I'll use it today. The past to me is a connector to the future. It's what you build on. The history of where we've come from, especially in this moment here today, can help us to go where we need to go. It's not about 
this happened then. It's about what's happening now and what's to come. It's not to relive the past, but to actually allow the past to be a part of our strength. And that goes for all of us in all kinds of things, not just this church setting. But we say, God, the past, it may have been ugly sometimes in our past, but God, what are the pieces? That was part of my story, part of my journey. How do I use this to go forward in strength to what you have for me, even as an individual? Psalm 118, 23 and 24 says, this is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. So it was Super Bowl Sunday, February 4th, 2004. The New England Patriots were playing Carolina Panthers. That was the first time ever that the Panthers had been in the Super Bowl. And that was significant to us because we had just moved here a few months earlier from Carolina country. And it was... A bit of a disappointment that day because the Panthers lost by three. And I will forever remember that, especially our daughter, our oldest child. She was 13 when we moved here, was getting ready to start high school, and she was grieving. So when we moved, when God called us, he didn't just call us, he called our family. Whether those little kids wanted to be called or not, they were part of our journey, part of what God was doing. And she was really upset that they had lost because it was just one more piece of sadness in this part of the journey. But that was the day that Celebration Life Family Church, now known as the Anchor, was launched. That's the first Sunday service we ever had. So in spite of the Super Bowl loss, we did know we were on the winning side. And then I want to go back to how we got to that day of February 4th, 2004. It was the summer of 2002. We were up here on vacation. My husband's family is from here. I'm not. And so we were coming up here. We would come up every now and then and visit with his family for a week or so. And um, we had rented a place on Washington Pond. And it was a great week that week in all ways, family-wise and weather-wise. And I remember um, thinking, wow, this is great. And one day, Brian had taken the kids somewhere with some of his family. And I was left alone at the house on Washington Pond, which is my dream. I love being left alone um, (laughs) by water (laughs) in sunshine. Um, So I was just there. And as I was there, and I don't even, I don't know if I was reflecting on things or whatever, but I felt in my heart this nudge, this calling, this voice of God. I'd felt it before. I knew what it was because we had been assigned to various places before this to pastor. And I felt this rising up in my heart and it was like an invitation from God. And he was saying, what if you came here and let me write some part of the story of what I've started here? What if you come here and start a church here and bring what I've deposited in you in these last few years of where we were? What if you do that? And I was like, hmm, I like the idea, but maybe somebody else. I just couldn't see myself moving here, but it would not leave me. And that whole week, he just kept kind of inviting me. Here's a story that I want written, that I want to finish, and I want to do a new chapter with you guys here in this state. So I really ignored it. I, on the way back home, we drove in the car uh, back to North Carolina, and I would give hints to him because I was not about to tell him any of that because he would jump on it 
because he'd already been saying, hey, what if we move back to Maine? And I was quick to say no. And so, but I would ask him questions, and what if this, and what about this? And like, he didn't have any clue what was happening. (laughs) I wrestled with that, and finally, when we got back, it was a few weeks later, a month later, that I finally said, yes, if this is what you're inviting us into, then I'm saying yes. I remember walking through my house, because we had just built our house, this always happened to us. We would build a house or renovate a house and have it just right, and God would say, that's for someone else. It's time for you to go now. So I remember walking through my house. We had just finished it, just finished the addition on. And I was going, but God, we just finished this and this and this. And I remember him saying, you don't have to do this. I'm not going to force you. I'm still going to love you. You're still going to go to heaven. You don't have to. And then I remember saying, but I want to. And I walked through my house and I remember saying, you can have this piece of furniture You can have this room. You can have these pieces. I walked through every room in my house and said, you know what? This is yours. Our life is yours. Our kids are yours. And so, yes. And so that fall, we met with Pastor Al. Brian was on staff as an outreach pastor. And we met with Pastor Al. And we explained what we were feeling in our heart. And I was so trying to make it like, this is just a burden I have. And he's like, this is not a burden. This is a call of God on your lives. And so we agreed to come up here and plant the church in Midcoast, Maine. Yeah. So my great uncle um, had just passed away. And so we came up um, partly to deal with that and partly to, um, my dad had said to me, you know, Uncle Roy's house, look, I'm not going to do anything with it if you want it you know, and you guys are moving here, you can have it. And uh, we were like, wow, awesome, new house. And um, well, we got here and we've kind of realized why he was willing to give it to us. And uh, (laughs) Uncle Roy was born in that house and 98 years later, he died in that house and I don't think they renovated it ever. Um, Anyway, won't get too deep into that, but in March of 2003, we did come up um, as a part of that um, his passing and all of that, and we started to kind of dig into the house to find out what was uh, needing to be done to it, and we realized it was going to be a total rebuild, totally gut uh, the whole thing from start to finish, so we just started. As we got into the middle of it, I'm surrounded by uh, laz and plaster two feet thick all over the floor. My wife comes into the room, and she's having a meltdown because... This is the part of the journey that is not something that she enjoys. Um, I can look at a piece of junk old house and see that what it's going to be at the end. But she has to see sheetrock finished and maybe decide on what color to paint it, and then she's going to be good. So uh, we were a long way from sheetrock. So she kind of had this moment where she broke down and said, I, I don't know, couldn't we just find another house, uh, even if it's not free. And um, I said, well, here we are. So I kept digging, kept, kept uh, you know, tearing off lies and plaster. And in that process, we um, tore open this closet in the back of the house and plastered to the framing um, of that was this newspaper that was just glued to the wall. 
it wasn't on the surface. It was bound around behind. Some people say they use that to keep dust from filtering through. I don't know, but there it was. And so we found this newspaper, and it was a page from the Christian Missionary Alliance dated June 1840. Well, we were moving here in June. We already had our move date. We knew we were coming, and um, this coincided with our move date, the, the, the headline. So God knew the day that we would need encouragement, um, and he gave us a tangible sign of his intention for this region. When we found the newspaper and the scriptures in the headline, which we'll share in a minute, God was simply letting us know that he had already gone before us. He had already cleared a pathway uh, before us, and he had made provision for our journey. He would provide strength and courage, vision and hope. He was doing this. He was calling. He had been writing his story for this region, for us and for you, a long time ago. These scriptures were what we began laying the foundation on and what we began to build with. So the first scripture was Psalm 4610. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The second scripture was Isaiah 35.1, the last part of it. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the rose. So the desert is a barren place. It's dry. It's parched. And this region physically is called the jewel of the main coast. It's beautiful, it's breathtaking, and this is where God had called us to. Spiritually, it's more like a desert, a barren wilderness. That's how I felt at that time. So when we read the word heathen in Psalm 4610, I know that can be really harsh, like you're a bunch of heathen. <laughs> That's not how my heart felt it as these are just heathen here. But it was just, there's a lostness here and I don't know what to do and so it wasn't a judgment type heathen it was God has something for you and so spiritually it felt like a desert and we believed as we read these scriptures and absorbed them into our hearts and that's really what we did that particular day when he called me back to that room and I saw that on the wall and he read them out loud and it was like God said because we, we still had a process of eight, nine months where we had to finish. I mean, we regutted every, the whole house was redone, built onto, new kitchen pushed out. We did everything for seven or eight months. So the work didn't stop. And when that scripture appeared, the lazen plaster didn't disappear. There was still stuff that we had to work through, go through. I still didn't like the process, but there was hope and light in those scriptures that said strength, that said, this is why you're here. This is what you're doing. This is part of the process. And so you've said yes. So here's some strength to know that this is what I'm doing. You're doing your part, but just know this is what I'm doing in this region. And so we absorbed them. And as we planted the church, we would take those scriptures every time we had prayer, even in worship time, even in, you know, preaching, we would declare these scriptures out and say, you will be exalted in this place. You will be exalted in the earth. This place, this desert will rejoice and it will open up and it will blossom like a rose. That became part of the foundational pieces, the footers that maybe you would say of this place. And so we absorbed them in. We knew that God was revealing his intention with those scriptures that particular day to transform this region into a spiritual place where he would come forth and be exalted and this place would blossom like a rose. 
So that is part of who you are, because this story is not just ours or theirs. It is all of our story, as Pastor Quentin has said. This is who we are. This is what God has called you into, for you to blossom like the rose. So then we um, went back to North Carolina to kind of close up shop as far as it was um, our home and all of that. We was to preach the last Sunday that we were there. And so I told the story of the newspaper that we found in the wall. And Pastor Al then received an offering that Sunday to help us buy equipment that we would need to start and plant the church. And that day the church gave this largest single offering that they had ever taken up, up to that time. And it was $15,000. So God, he showed us the scriptures. He let us know that we weren't going to carry the financial burden alone and that there was a whole body of believers that was, even though physically they weren't going, they were doing everything that they could to let us know that they were behind us and that they were part of this journey with us. Uh, we packed up our four kids and uh, headed back to Maine. We continued gutting and restoring the house, getting to know the neighborhood. And in the fall, we begin a Saturday night prayer meeting. And like Leah said, it is important to note that our children are on this journey with us. And a lot of times they don't really have a, a choice in the process. They're just, um, we're not going to leave them, leave them behind. Sometimes it's uh, tempting, but uh, <laughs> it just depends on the age, right? So uh, it's important to note that our children, you know, they uprooted their lives from a community of childhood friends that they had to, and they had to restart in a strange and foreign land. I remember sitting with our 13-year-old and saying, um, before we left, and saying, hey, this is what we feel is in our heart, and God's called us, and we know that you're going to have to step into this with us, but we don't want to just say, hey, you're going. We want you to be part of the process. Um, I think we maybe said something to Josiah. The other two are kind of small. So um, it's important to let them live out that journey with you. Very grateful for our kids. So from day one, starting in summer of 2002, we knew that we just wanted Jesus to be known. We wanted his glory to be seen and experienced and celebrated. We had never done this before, so we had no idea. We would pastored. We had no idea what it was to plant a church. How do you know who's going to come? But all we knew is we want Jesus to be known and celebrated. And during the time that we were at Covenant Love, God had deposited in us the importance of freedom in worship, the necessity of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and the impact of the spoken and declared word of God. That was like embedded in us. And he personally set us free when we were at Covenant Love in a whole new way, personally, of knowing that this freedom was something that God had given to us and we could not keep it to ourselves. So when we came that summer in 2002, that's what God was saying. You are not, I don't want you just sitting there in your comfortable place. This is way too much. I want to be here in this way. So we used a slogan back then. It was a part of our business card. And it was, it's more than a church, it's a celebration. And the point of that was to let people know this is, for you to know we can celebrate the life that God has given to us. It's not staunch and proper and religious. This is freedom. And then on our checks, we had imprinted the words, it's not just a church, it's an experience. Because we wanted people to know this is an encounter with Jesus. And we want you to have that. 
And then we had non-negotiables. When we started the church from day one, we would take people that came to our church after they'd been there a couple times, we would take them to lunch, and we would sit down and talk about our non-negotiables, who we were as a church. One of them was the Holy Spirit would not be ignored, quieted down, or relegated to the back corner of our lives or of this church. Two was there would be free and expressive worship. And three, we would purpose to intentionally declare the promises of God into this region. We would go out into the amphitheater. We would go in these corners. We would have prayer. We would declare, this is what the word of the Lord says in this place. And one of the things that we began to pray was, God, give us ears to hear what you are saying. Because we didn't want to be a copycat covenant love church. This is a whole different place, region, people. And we didn't want to come and just do the same things they did there that we're just bringing this. We were bringing Holy Spirit. So what does that look like here? And every time, it kind of became our mantra to pray, Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying and then help us to adjust accordingly that we don't have to hold on. But they, we did it back then. That's what we have to do. We began to release that and allow Holy Spirit and declare his word into this region. So we started first at the Farmhouse Conference Center, which used to be McMahon's Rockport Grill. It's now Flatbread Pizza. So um, not long after starting the church, a lady named Varna Anderson came to one of the services and told us of how that she used to care for an elderly lady at the farmhouse there before it had the restaurant attached to it. And she said that she would sit quietly on the front porch and pray that God would send a spirit-filled church to this area. She smiled at us and said, I think that he's answered my prayer. God shifted our whole world because I believe of that prayer that Varna made during that season that she was at the farmhouse where we then eventually held our first services. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 11 says this, and this was a scripture that God had also given to us during this time because we recognize it's not us building this, but the prayers of Varna, the prayers of others, the people who'd been there had been part of this building and so it says, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we already have, Jesus Christ. So our second location was at the Knox Mill Center. Thanks to uh, Charles Colley and taking the old Knox Woolen Mill and just rebuilding it into a call center. Um, it eventually got sold to Bank of America and Bank of America basically shut that building down and it was renoed into upstairs some apartments. Well, downstairs was left open. And when Cody's Roadhouse came to McMahon's Rockport Grill, 
They used every inch for seating and that pushed us out of that building. So we ended up in the Knox Mill, which is an amazing opportunity because we finally had a place where we didn't have to put up and take down chairs every Sunday, that we didn't have to haul our sound system from the closet in our house to uh, the site. And we actually was able to leave the church intact. We had offices um, down the hall and it was like a huge relief to be able to have somewhat of a normal church, even though it was uh, something that we were renting. As we grew, all kinds of people came and, that we, and we would pray, God send us people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. One day, a fairly large fella showed up, a bit dazed and confused, <laughs> but he came anyway. So, uh, I don't know, the game wardens had to come and uh, help him get out, but it was a very hot summer and he just got, he came in like a back entrance and got wandering around. And um, so anyway, that was a pretty funny story. So along with the spiritual non-negotiables, we desired to create an environment where people could come to a nice facility, look around, see excellence, and then literally dismiss the building and be able to focus on what was happening inside. Our buildings, though nice, were non-typical. At the Knox Mill, we used to call the smokestack that was right there by the uh, fire department, we used to call that our steeple. We were not necessarily wanting to be typical, nor were we wanting to be atypical. We just deeply desired to be authentic. So I grew up in Hope um, in a very large working class family. There was nine of us siblings, and I knew what it was like for my mother to make me wear the most un uncomfortable clothes and shoes on the planet and then go to church. The most uncomfortable place on the planet. So we wanted to um, help my mother out and um, create a place where the people that I grew up with could come and experience God no matter what they wore or what they had. I would more often than not come in work boots, jeans, and of course, a vest. Steve Bellier's mother, Fanita, caught me after service one Sunday. She was pushing 80 and uh, came up to me and she's like, why do you wear work boots to church? <laughs> I was like, well, I came to work. And she looked at me and she smiled satisfied with my answer, and she said, fair enough. So in the first eight years, we established a home and a church with around 125 people at that time. We had planted, we had established. The church was at the point where it could financially support a full-time pastor. And so at that point, we installed a new pastor to carry on the work here. And Leah and I returned back to North Carolina where we spent the next four years as the executive pastor at Covenant Love Church, interacting again with the staff, um, which included Pastor Quentin, Jennifer, and uh, a whole host of other staff there at Covenant Love. But eight years ago, the Lord chose to insert Pastor Quentin and Jennifer into this story, and they're gonna come and tell their version of that eight years. Amen. 
So just like these guys, you know, have their story of coming and, and all of you guys have your story. Jennifer and I obviously have ours as well. But uh, our journey actually began January 2015. Uh, while I was praying one afternoon, uh, I heard the Lord simply say, you are moving to Maine. Up until that point, we had worked at the church that they mentioned. We had worked there 12 years. We absolutely loved our pastor, loved the people we worked with, loved the congregation. But we knew in our hearts for a couple of years that transition was coming. We just didn't know where we were going up until that moment. So when God spoke that day, it was pretty cool because instantly when he spoke, I knew what church we were coming to because it was the only church I knew in Maine, right? So... <laughs> Anyways, so with, you know, fast forward story with the blessing of our pastor, you know, eight months later, we packed everything we owned to a moving truck and we drove with our kids a thousand miles uh, to start a new chapter in our lives. Uh, as we prepared for this new season, the Lord strongly impressed on the two of us uh, three directives. He said, when you get to Maine, I want you to love the people, teach the people and move slowly. And in hindsight, those three things were 100% the wisdom of God because he knew what, what we as a church needed. You know, without going into too many details, you know, during the four years between these guys pastoring the church and us coming, this church family went through a really difficult season. A lot of unhealthy stuff happened, which ultimately opened up the door for us to come. But uh, truth be told, you know, in light of that, uh, the first year and a half we were here, uh, man, it was pretty difficult. It, it was, you know, I was trying to get my feet up underneath me. It's the first time pastoring the church. And, uh, you know, just once again, people had been to hell and back. And so, uh, you know, the good part is this, is that thankfully God didn't leave us in that spot, right? Like he cares for his church. Amen. So one Sunday morning, this is when everything shifted. One Sunday morning in the middle of worship, uh, I heard the Lord say all of the stuff and he kind of named the former season. He said, it's over. And uh, after the worship team finished, I got up and I just, you know, looked at congregation. I said, you know, for you guys that are new here, this probably isn't going to mean anything to you. But for you guys that have been here for the past few years, uh, this will mean a lot to you. Let me tell you what the Lord said. And I just repeated what God said to me. And it was pretty powerful to see just pockets of people who have been through all that stuff just begin to, to cry. And uh, really what happened was, is in that shift, God lifted the heaviness that was, you know, uh, that so many people were carrying for, you know, at that point, almost two years. And so literally from that point on, uh, it was like a, a switch was flipped as he began to heal and restore people, not just spiritually, not just emotionally, but also relationally, like health began to come back into the church. And, uh, you know, the only way I read that word is people began to trust one another again. It's like the walls came down, the mask came off and people started doing life with each other again. It was amazing. But one of the things that I found really interesting through that time is even though, uh, you know, Jennifer and I are, are way different than Brian and Leah personality wise, we still share because we're in many ways cut from the same cloth. We, we share the same spiritual DNA, the same passion for the kingdom, right? There's core values that we hold on to. And so without us even really knowing, you know, how they, how they originally established the church, 
uh, as we obeyed God in those three areas, God began to reestablish those core values that they originally set out, you know, as far as in the mission here in the church. And so once again, it was that, you know, the freedom and the passion of worship. It was the openness to a, to a healthy expression of the Holy Spirit. It was an honor and the love for God's word. And uh, lastly, and I hope, you know, we're all aware of this because I don't think it's as common as a lot of people think, but it's a, it's a friendly church culture where people are welcomed and loved. Amen. So like all of that is, is in place intentionally. It never arrives by accident. Amen. So, you know, as I talk about those early years, I think we would be making a mistake if we didn't just pause for a moment and say how grateful we are for all those people who remained faithful during that difficult season. Uh, you know, like, I, I just think it would have been really easy to run for the door. There was days I wanted to run for the door. But, but thankfully, uh, you know, certain people didn't. The people who did leave, we, you know, we blessed them, we're not upset. But those who stayed, uh, God used not just me and Jen, but God used all of our faithful commitment to what he was doing to, to the restoration process that allowed us to get where we're at today. And so a verse that kind of comes to my mind that, that really points to what happened in that season is Ephesians 4, verse 16. It's a, it's a well-known verse. It says this, as he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And, you know, to stress, I don't think we necessarily fit together perfectly, but, but we were all there together on the same team going, hey, we're going to move forward. And then it says this, when, when people come together in that heart of unity, it says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts, in other words, those around them grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's pretty awesome, right? So that's what God did. So looking back over the years, I'm, you know, once again, we're, we're only eight and a half years in, but, but I am amazed at how uh, all of our stories wouldn't be what they are today without each other. Like, it, it's the simple fact that those guys said yes in coming, that we said yes in coming, that you said yes to be here, that God has connected all of us as one church family. Amen? Like, that's a big deal. So shortly after, you know, things shifted and health began to come in the church, God began to impress on our hearts that he wanted to change the name of the church. And, uh, you know, that was something that we didn't, you know, dive headlong into. We wanted to make sure it was God because we love and honor Pastor Brian so much. We just didn't want to change the name to change the name. We, we knew that it had to be God. And so for several months, we just kind of waited, didn't say anything, just kept praying and God kept talking and kept talking and kept reaffirming. But, but here's kind of how that went down is, is when he began to talk about him wanting to change the name of the church, there was three things that I felt deeply impressed to begin to pray into. The first one was this, is that God would bring us as a church back to really the, the authentic faith that we see in the early church. And what by early church, I mean, kind of what you read in the book of Acts and so forth. In other words, it wasn't a, a perverted gospel. It wasn't a twisted gospel. It's just the real deal, you know, what the Bible says, right? So that was the first thing. The second thing I felt strongly impressed about, basically that hope needed to be released. In other words, looking at the state of Maine and just feeling the oppression and the weight of that, begin to feel a burden that, man, God, will you please give people in the state of Maine hope? And then the last thing I prayed was I just asked the Lord, you know, God, if you're going to change the name of the church, would you please give us a name that, that an unsaved person and a saved person can kind of connect to and they go, okay, that makes sense. And, and you know, Lord, give us a name that, that speaks to the, the, the region, speaks to the culture. So, 
Here's what happened after I've been praying that, you know, I don't, once again, I don't know how long, let's say a couple of months, whatever, maybe a month. Um, I was walking in the back. This is before we did renovations. Our offices used to be behind that wall. And uh, I was about to walk into my office and I heard the words, anchor youth. And in my mind, I kind of knew anchor church, anchor youth, anchor, you know, anchor kids. We call anchor students, obviously, but I kind of got the gist. You know how when the Lord says one thing, it kind of downloads the whole thing to you. Anyways, so, so that happened like that. And I just stopped, literally in my church, stopped. And I went, I don't like that. I said that out loud. I don't like that. Right. And so what happened was a few days later, I, I felt that same impression. You know how the Holy Spirit, how he talks to you. Right. And I felt like I needed to go in my office and I needed to uh, search history of anchors. Now I had an, a computer in my, in my office that I didn't use. I used my iPad. The thing was 150 years old and, and it just didn't really work. So there was no search history for me on it. Okay. I think that's important. And so anyway, so I typed in history of anchors and the very thing that popped up, first thing that popped up was history of anchors in Christianity. And I was like, I never knew an anchor had anything to do with Christianity. So I clicked on it and, uh, and I started reading this article, this theologian that did all this, you know, research. And what I found out is that go all the way back in the early church when the man Nero, the emperor, when he was killing all the Christians, thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians, basically the, the believers started burying their friends and their brothers. And when they would, when they would put a tombstone there, they would, they would etch an anchor into the tombstone. And the reason they would do that is because it comes from the word Ancora, which means hope. And what they were trying to encourage themselves with as they were losing so many of their family and friends is that we still have a hope that's in Jesus. So what, what was so wild to me is when I read that article, what I didn't know is that the first 300 years of Christianity, that the sign of Christianity was not the cross, it was an anchor. I never knew that, right? And that's been reaffirmed in, you know, all kinds of other different ways we don't have time to talk about. But so anyway, so the, the reason that, you know, once again, the word hope, they connected to that, to Hebrews 6, 19. Obviously, we have it on the wall out there. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Because they were saying, even though we're losing all of our friends, we know that there's a day again we're going to be together. And so, I, you know, I'm sitting there absolutely at my computer, blown away. There's the, the answer to prayer that you can't get any more early church faith than that. And then secondly, right there in my face is the word hope uh, that it spoke to what I was praying. And then, you know, the last thing was, is, you know, remember that third thing, the region. I just went, okay, it's an anchor cool. There's an ocean. That must be what it means. And I have thought that for about six years now, right? And then on Monday, we were in a meeting, and here's what I learned, that, that during the late 1800s, two brothers from this area named Horatio and William Alden, they built a company called the Camden Anchor Works. So their company was in Camden Harbor, and over time, they turned that company into, get this, the country's largest manufacturer of anchors. Pretty cool. So, you know, several years later, after they had all that success, they sold the company and, uh, and it merged with Rockland Machine. And that company became known as uh, Camden Anchor Rockland Machine Company. I think that's significant. I'm going to tell you why, if I can just be really open and honest with you. When we moved here, I was so blown away 
by talking with people in the community. And I found out folks from Camden hate folks from Rockland and folks from Rockland hate people from Camden. And I thought that was so odd. I'm like, you live right down the street, right? It's not like we're, we're gangs from LA. Like this is weird, right? And, and I honestly believe today, and I'm trying not to, because I don't typically do this, I'm trying not to make something into something that's not, but I think it's pretty interesting that all the way back then, the 1800s, that you saw this merger from those two communities that basically brought unity together and it started working together. And I just believe like part of our mission here is that, you know, we're in Rockport right in the middle for a reason that God's wanting to bring these two communities together. And it's not about social status or about money. It's about Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, so to kind of close that section out, obviously all those things, there's a lot more there that I have time to tell, but all those things came confirmation that the Lord was leading us, changed the name to once again to what's now called the Anchor Church. So another key piece that emerged through this process was our mission. And this is huge. In fact, I, I hope today, if you don't hear maybe me say anything else, hear this, please. So we know that any church that's worth its weight, its mission, its vision should be rooted in what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Here's what Jesus said. It's his command that he gave us. Therefore, go and make disciples. Can somebody say make disciples? Make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Watch verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. We believe in that, right? So listen, in obedience to that, we, we wholeheartedly believe that, that God has given us a process that helps people not only become a disciple, but hopefully that it progresses them to maturity so they begin to disciple others. You see, there, there's a core conviction I have that, that if we're going to be in the perfect will of God, then there's two things that got to happen. We have to be discipled and we need to be discipling someone else. Like those two relationships should be actively happening in our lives, right? And understand there's some timing and maturity in that. So, but, but anyway, so we feel so strongly about the discipleship process, we actually decided to put it on the wall. And I don't know if you've ever noticed it when you come in, but, but I want to bring it to our attention today. Here's what's on the wall out there. This is our mission. It says, we are here to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus. I'm going to tell you what that means to me. It means we're stripping away all the legalistic religious stuff and we're just getting to the heart. Man, this is Jesus. This is the gospel, right? The next thing is this. It says, join us. So this is the invitation. Join us as we experience God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. So, I, you know, I hope that we all understand that those aren't just words for us. Man, that's our mission. Like it's why we do what we do, that we truly believe that it doesn't matter if it's a small child or all the way to the oldest person, man, that God truly wants them to experience him. Not, not some church, not just some religion, that God wants them to have a, a heart transformation process encounter with him where it's the real thing right and the second thing is this we know that when we get born again that all of us come into the kingdom with junk on us we all got we all got stuff right and where we've been hurt from our past where we've made mistakes whatever it is right and those things are the are the very things that jesus died to bring freedom in our life's own right? And so we want to help people find freedom of whatever it is. And the next thing that happens this is when we're born again, guess what? There's a redemptive purpose that comes into play that, that God has a plan for every single person's life. And so once they get saved, once they get healed and whole, well, what's the purpose that God has and how do we equip them for that so they can go make the difference in their sphere of influence that God's called them to?
You, you know, for us, when we, when we say make a difference, uh, we understand that the difference that this church makes in this region isn't so much about what happens on a Sunday morning, you know, here in the church service, as much as it is what takes place in and through your family, Monday through Saturday at your home, in your work, at your school, wherever you go, like you are the difference. Amen. So, so we believe that once again, kind of the core values that we work off of beyond the things we already talked about is we're like, okay, man, how can we help people value God's presence? How can we help people value holiness, wholeness, right? How can we help people uh, value spiritual growth? How can we help people embrace a life of, of where there's balance between the word and the spirit? How can we help people embrace the kingdom of excellence, right? Like we do things with excellence. How can we help people embrace an authentic community where we do life on life, where we just know each other and love each other and there's loads of grace in the mix of all that mess? Amen. So I believe that when we value those things, Jesus will do amazing things through us. Amen. 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 And he is doing it and continues to. Um, just like it was prayed, I know uh, Pastor Brian and Miss Leah, that one of the prayers early on was God send people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And that's been a part of our heart and prayers as well. And God has totally answered those prayers. Like there's people here today from all over the place. Like God has added to the numbers. Um, like the verse that was read earlier, when each of us doing our part, that God brings the increase. And God has brought the increase in numbers and in growth and in the natural and the spiritual. And we see it in the natural for sure. How many of you feel the growth pains that we're like busting at the seams and it's so exciting because healthy things grow and God is the one that is bringing the increase. And um, not just the, the church body, but it's been so encouraging how God has added to the team. And we're so grateful for Pastor Tommy and Sarah, all the way from Louisiana. It's like God's bringing people from all over. And there, yes, and Pastor Chris and Anna. Um, Anna is from Maine, but at the time they were in California, and Pastor Chris is from Kentucky. And then we have Jeff and E, she's from Iceland, and they were at the Cape. Our admin, Lane and her family, all the way from North Carolina. And before that, God brought my parents here all the way from Idaho. And so my stepmom was in admin for a while before there. So God just like called people from all over the place. And we understand the weightiness of that yes of saying, yes, God, my life is not my own. It belongs to you, whatever you ask, yes. And so we know the weight of that surrender and packing up your family and heading out. And so we are so grateful for that. And like PQ said, like we understand it's not just about us and our story, but it's about every one of your story that has been added to the journey and added to the story of this church that we're so grateful for. And... Um, with that, with all the growth and the increase that God is bringing, like we understand that we are out of space. <laughs> and, and I know like several people are like, what about a building, you know? And so we want you to know that like that is at the forefront of our minds as well. Um, and we are super excited that yes, we need a building. And so we want to let you know that a building is coming <laughs> in Jesus name. We have taken first steps into looking into that and what it will look like and all of that. So we want you to know it's exciting times and that is in the process and in the first stages of moving forward with that. And so we're excited that you get 
to be here and you're a part of it. And so the one way you can join in on that process is to pray. Please, please, please pray. Pray for us. Pray for the staff. Pray for the leadership that God would give us the wisdom to hear from heaven, to make the right decisions and know which directions to go, that God continues to go before us and pave the way and lead, guide, and direct, and that he opens the doors that need to be open and grants favor and brings provision, amen? And so we're just excited for all that God has done and all that he is continuing to do and the future ahead. It's, it's just getting brighter and brighter and more exciting. <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs> yes. All right. Listen. Woo. I'm, I'm fired up after that. Anyway, so listen, as we, as we prepare to close today, even though the past 20 years have been like pretty incredible, a lot of people have gotten saved. You know, God's restored a lot of people's lives. A lot of people's have grown in Jesus. Like, like we'll, we'll never be able to stand up here and quantify what God has done and loads of people that are here, not here, loads of people have moved away different parts. Like God's done something that could only be him. And to me, you know, the verse that Leah read earlier where it talks about first Corinthians chapter three, where it says, you know, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. If you keep reading it, it, it really, it really insinuates this, that the one who, who brought the increase is the one who deserves the glory. Right. And, and like, we can't lose sight of that. Like everything that we, like we're just vessels. Everything that he's done here is because he, it's him, yes. right? He gets the glory. Amen. Yes. Amen. All right. So in, in light of, in light of that, like we know, okay, he's done amazing things, but we also know he's not finished. That's right. Like there's still another season that we're all walking into. And so, uh, because of that, I want to share a true story with you that, I hope will inspire us as we move into whatever the next season looks like, okay? Here's, here's the true story. Basically, years ago, there were, there were two friends, and they were both contractors, and they decided to start a business together. And because one of them had more of a business mind, he took the role as the, the owner, while the other guy, he was really better at building houses, and so he became the foreman. So over time, the foreman became world famous as he built some of the finest houses in their country and you know his work his dedication to the process his ability to focus on the details that they, they said it was second to none but what happened as is after decades of building all these beautiful homes uh, you know long successful career uh, he became tired and he decided look it's time to retire there's things i want to do with my wife we have the money to do whatever we want to do and so what happened is a few days later he he went into the office and he told his friend that was the owner of his decision and his friend responded with this he said we, we are forever indebted to you for the magnificent work you've done for this company we're so grateful but before you retire we have one favor to ask you could you please build one more house and he said this it is for a very important client and we all believe it needs your special touch so even though the foreman was frustrated because he was ready for a transition life because that was his friend he decided to say yes but the only problem was as he began to build this house his heart wasn't into it and, you know, where he had been so uh, diligent in the past to select the finest materials, this house was different. It, he viewed it as an obligation, not a privilege. And so he started cutting corners. You know, he, at least he had ethics enough to go, okay, I still got to pass code. But what they said is it just lacked the wow factor that this guy was known for. And the reason is, is because he, you know, inside he just knew it's, it's far from my best. And so after months of work, the house was finally finished. And so he went back to his friend. He said, okay, I did what you asked me to do. Now I'm asking you one last time, would you please give me your blessing to retire? 
And, and the owner of that company said, thank you, but we have just one more thing. The foreman could feel himself, you know, starting getting uh, upset, but then his friend reached into his desk and he pulled out a box with a ribbon wrapped around it and he said, we are so grateful for everything that you've done over the years. This gift is a token of our appreciation. And he handed him the box and then, you know, the foreman opened the box, like he tore off the ribbon, opened up, and inside of that box was a set of new shiny keys. And this friend smiled at him. He said, we want you to know that the house you've been building it's yours. You deserve it. Immediately the man's heart sank and, and he just thought, man, if only I had known I was building my house, I would have cared so much more for it that I would have used the finest materials instead of, you know, going to the local whatever to get this, then I would have got what the, the guy asked me to get. I would have got the marble from Italy. I would have done this and that, right? And, and so I, he thinks I would have overseen every detail and, and given all the attention like I did all those years, but, but he had to sit there with a the realization it was too late that, that the house that he built, that's what he had, Right? Here's why I tell you that story is because, yes, God's done amazing things in 20 years, but we're also going forward. And so I want to encourage you to just remember that, that every time we walk through those doors, that we have an opportunity from God to build this house, right? Like we build it through, please hear me. We build it through our prayers. We build it through our hunger and our passion and worship. We build through our willingness to give and our willing to serve with the talents and the abilities that God's given us. And we, we, we actually build this place with our willingness to get to know each other, to love each other, encourage one another. Like that former man, God has given you and I the privilege to determine what this house will be. Yeah? You know, to, to me, it's crazy to think about it, but it's how God works. Like he's given us the privilege to create the church atmosphere and the church culture that we are a part of. So, so you have to think when I leave here, do I love the place? Do I show, well, well, what are you creating? Right? Because this is the wild part and, and, and this means something to me because like them, we moved here with four kids and we came from a church that had hundreds of kids at a pretty incredible children's ministry. And when we got here, uh, there wasn't much, right? And so, like, we had to go, okay, well, the, the church culture that we are going to build is the church culture that our own kids are going to grow up in. And that's not just for us, but that's for you guys too. Like, like we build the culture that our friends and our family and those lost people that we've been praying for that they come to. We set the atmosphere, right? And so I, in my mind, because this is what I think, in, tw in 20 years from now, wh what are we going to look back on and remember? Because what, what we're going to think, granted, there's things out of our control, but, but we are going to look back at what we chose to build as a church family. And all I'm going to say today is, man, like, let's build something great. Right? Let, let's, let's keep building a place where people can come and they can experience God in a real way where they can come and they can find freedom, right? Where they can come and discover their purpose and ultimately make the difference that God's called them to be. Amen. Amen. So listen, we want to end today just as an act of unity. We want to make a declaration. If you remember what, what Leah said earlier is, you know, when they first started the church, there were declarations that they made constantly. Okay. And, and those are things the Bible says, declare what the Lord has decreed. So there is a place of declaration by faith that it actually releases life and hope in the atmosphere. Amen?
So that's Bible. You can read it. Okay. So uh, what we're going to do today is Jennifer's going to is basically lead us in a declaration. And I'm going to ask you today to not say it half-heartedly, but if this is your church home, like get, let's give it some gusto before the Lord because this is part of what we're building. Amen. Can we stand to your feet? We affirm our commitment to the Holy Spirit having his way, to freedom in our worship, and to declaring the word of God in our region. Holy Spirit, you are always welcome in this place and in our lives. We are committed to building on you, Jesus, our sure foundation. And God, we decree from your word that the desert will rejoice and blossom like the rose. And you will be exalted among the heathen. You will be exalted in the earth. This is the Lord's doing. Amen. Amen. Can you grab the hand of the person next to you? Amen. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, just from uh, just a heart of unity today, Lord, no matter if we've been here since day one or if we've come at some other point along in the journey over the past 20 years, Lord, we just say thank you. Lord, that's our heart. Thank you for bringing the increase that you have brought, God, to this church and to this region. Father, we recognize today that it's only you. God, that you are the one that saves people's lives. You're the one that heals broken bodies and heals broken hearts. God, you're the one that gives us purpose and redeems the purpose. You're the one that literally anoints us and gives us gifts, God, to be able to make the difference or, you know, to leave the impact that you've called us to make. And so, Lord, today, God, as we have, as we have heard what you have done over the, you know, all these years, Lord, help us to see the, the spiritual DNA, the spiritual legacy, the spiritual spiritual heritage that we carry. But Lord, let us also have a vision and a heart for the future to know that you want us to keep running hard and keep running with endurance and perseverance after you and after your will. And so Lord, I just ask as we're holding the hand of the person next to us, uh, Lord, that you would simply just bond our hearts together. Father, we thank you for the spirit of unity. We thank you for the spirit of peace. Father, we thank you that your word says that a three-quarter strand, so how much more, how many ever people are in this room, God, that a three-quarter strand is not easily broken. So bind our hearts together. God, help us to walk in agreement with you and agreement with one another. Father, whatever healing needs to be done, whatever encouragement needs to be given, Father, we thank you for doing it. Lord, we pray that you would give us your eyes to see your ears to hear, and your heart to feel. God, we ask that you would give us your heart, God, as we move forward as a church, so we would know what's the next step, what's the right next step, what's the next step. God, we don't want to just do something and ask you to bless it. Lord, we want to move where you're blessing. And so, Father, thank you for just helping us to see what you're doing and give us a heart and the courage to step forward in it. Father, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for the abundant life. God, that you came to give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.